you would turn in your Bibles with me to Luke, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, uh, probably a familiar story again for most of you. Just want to, again like I said in Sunday school, just trying to give everybody a challenge, give you things that the Holy Spirit challenges me with in my walk uh, with, with the Lord. I, I was a little bit nervous about today. And I, I said in Sunday school that I was I was so excited that I was nervous, but I was a little bit nervous also because Pastor Tommy got up here and promised you guys that you would like me, and I don't know why he would lie to you like that, but um, I think he was just trying to trick everybody into coming here, and it looks like it works. So um, I, I think uh, I think we'll be okay though. But Luke chapter eight, going to start in verse forty. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received Him, for they were all waiting for Him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, and besought Him that He would come into His house, for He had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as He went, the people thronged Him. And a woman, having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the most too throng and depressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had made thee, had made thee whole. Go in peace. We talked in Sunday school about uh, talking out of Ephesians 2, uh, 8-10. through 10. We talked about having faith and being saved by grace through faith and that Nothing we could do could do that. And then we talked about uh, getting into verse 10 about working for God. And this message kind of touches on that and expands on it a little bit. But there's a lot of things in here that I um, that I want to show you that kind of continues that. Very rarely does the Bible give us something. All the verses we looked at in Sunday school, some of the verses we looked at Wednesday night. Very, very rarely. In fact, I can't even think of a place where the Bible gives us something, some verse, some commandment, uh, without giving us an example. You know, Pastor Tommy talked, um, I think it was last week, it was last week or, or the Wednesday before he left, I can't even remember, but he, he talked about Jesus talking in parables. And how Jesus used parables and using examples to help us see things. Well, there's also stories in the Bible that Jesus uses. God's Word, and we talked about this a little bit Wednesday night, about reading God's Word and really getting to understand it. But God's Word, it might not show you right where you're at, 
It might show you a little bit further. It might show you in a different book. But somewhere in there, it will give you a commandment. It will give you a way of righteousness. It will give you something. But it will also give you an example. It will give you a picture that you can see so we can understand it. Some people, like myself, have a hard time understanding things. Sometimes my wife has to tell me things several times because I'm not understanding what she's saying. Maybe I just don't want to listen, but don't tell her that. I I really don't understand all the time. But there are people, everybody learns differently, seriously. You know, as my years as an instructor in in the military, we had a group of us. And when a new class would come in, we would all give one class. It was a, it was a two-week course, eight or nine, ten-hour days sometimes, one class right after another. But we would all give one class out of the first section, and then we would see how the class responded to each one of us. Because people learn differently. Some people learn visually. Some people learn by taking notes. Some people learn just by listening. You know, that's why I don't get on it. Don't don't get too carried away with well you know nobody's taking notes or everybody learns differently. I write things down 500 times. If you don't believe that, just go look at my desk. I could probably find 15 note cards that all say the same thing. You know, man, I don't remember writing that down before. But we all learn differently, and the Bible gives us examples, gives us pictures of how we can learn. And this story is a perfect example of that. Here we have a story of a woman. It says she had a blood problem. And she had this problem for quite a long time. It says 12 years. And it says, it says there, uh, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. She'd already tried everything in the world possible to help herself. Everything that she knew. That's, that's like us, isn't it? We think we can fix everything. We get in some kind of problem or we get some kind of trial or or, or something in our life and instead of bringing it to God, we try to fix it ourselves. But this woman, knowing who Jesus was, obviously had enough faith to know that all she had to do was get close enough to touch His robe and she would be healed. That's faith right there. That's faith. And like I said in Sunday school, you know, it might have been a little bit easier for those people to have faith because they could see. They could see some of the miracles that Jesus, that Jesus actually uh, healing the blind and, and, and making the lame to walk again and, and healing the sick and just walking on water and feeding the 5,000. I mean, so many people saw so many different miracles. They had something to go by. So it's probably easier for this woman. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell if she, she saw anything before, but if she hadn't, she probably heard about it. Obviously, the crowd knew who she or knew who Jesus was. They were waiting for him. There were so many of them there. It almost describes it like a mob, like something like a well, one of these big uh, rallies they have in Washington D.C. or something. There's so many people there. They're just pushing up against them, and 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 just a lot of people there. Everybody knew who he was. They were waiting for him. She knew all she had to do was get close enough. She had the faith to, to where she, all she had to do was touch Him and be healed. And this is a perfect picture of what Jesus Christ is giving to us as salvation. We have a problem with sin and all we have to do is have that faith on Him. Nothing we can do like we talked in Sunday school, no amount of works, no amount of money, no amount of anything that we can possibly do as human beings it's through His grace only. Praise the Lord for that because I couldn't do enough to, to, to get it. Just 
having faith in Him. This is God's Word giving us an example of that. And she knew that Jesus, she knew that Jesus was so holy, all she had to do was touch His robe. You know, I hear, I hear pastors, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong about it. There's a, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys ever heard of Tony Hudson, but he was doing a, he was doing a message at a, a youth retreat we were at years ago, and he asked one of the, because they had, they all had t-shirts on. And he asked one of the kids up front, he says, he says, give me your tie. He says, I can't preach without a tie. And the t-shirts all promoted the youth concert. So there are, it wasn't a concert, it was the, the, the youth, uh, whatever the thing was. And, uh, and so he, he uses this, this young Christian's tie. And Tony Hudson's a pretty big preacher. So he's sweating pretty good. About as much as I was sweating Wednesday night when it was 400 degrees in here. And when he gives the tie back, it's dripping waste. Don't worry about it, son. It's holy water. Now, we all know that's a joke. And we all know that as a pastor or a preacher, whoever we are, we, we have nothing like that. But Jesus Christ said, he, he was so holy that all she had to do was touch His robe. And You know, I talk about it in Sunday school. We're going to have that time where we meet Him face to face and I, I just can't imagine. It's a whole different sermon. But it says here, she had the faith to where when she touched His robe, this is a woman having an issue with blood 12 years which spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind Him and touched the border of His garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched. Now this isn't where I really want to go with this. Uh, a little rabbit trail here that I'm going to let myself get on, but I was wondering about that, what that word meant, stanch. So I looked it up in the Webster's uh, 1828 or whatever. that thing, I, I always call that book the wrong thing. I know, that, I know it's 18-something, so we'll just call it the Webster's 18 for right now. But anyway, it says, stopped or restrained from flowing. Obviously her blood didn't restrain from flowing because she would have died. But the problem was restrained. Think about that just for a second. How that is a picture of our sin. When we, when we have the faith in Jesus Christ and we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, our problem with sin needs to stop or needs to be refrained from flowing. We need to do everything that we can to be a good example to the world and to stop living in sin. This is a picture, as I said, of Him cleansing us. And, and I thought about this on the way here, and again, it's not what wasn't really part of my message, but what a blood problem we have in the world today. The blood problem we have in the world today is there's not enough people under the blood. But the, the main part of the story that, that I want to get to is, is in the following chapters here, or following verses here. This woman come up and, and, and she's giving us a, a picture of what it is to be healed by Jesus Christ. She already tried everything. She, she knew how. You know, to her, going to the physician was going to make her better. And there's nothing wrong with going to a physician. There's nothing wrong with going to get medicine. But Jesus Christ ultimately is the, is the only one that can heal us. You know, we were talking earlier, earlier, and I before church, and I was telling somebody that you know, as as a disabled vet that had problems, I got, and uh, I know Jeannie used to be a nurse. She asked me a, a few questions later. I can go to the doctor all I want, but unless Jesus Christ wants me healed, or unless God deems it necessary for for me to be healed, I'm going to deal with what I got. 
And I'm going to talk about that a little bit tonight. But this woman had already done everything possible that she knew to do to be healed, and she couldn't do it until she had the faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 45. And when Je- and Jesus said, "Who touched me?" Now, this is the part I really want to talk about. This is what I really want to get to. Why would Jesus ask who touched him? You know, I think it's funny here. I almost want to call Peter silly because Peter goes through this. Peter goes through, but if you read close enough, there it says all of them. But Peter goes through this whole spiel of, "Well, Master, we're in this huge crowd of people, and there's there's people pushing up against you, and I can't even tell where the other disciples are at, and this and that, and you're asking me who touched you." You really think he even had to ask you, Peter? It had nothing to do with that. He knew who touched him before she touched him. But he still asks, Who touched me? And he asks that for a couple different reasons. First of all, he knew that somebody had enough faith in him to believe in him, and he wanted to know who it was. But like I said a minute ago, he already knew who it was. So what was he after here? What is Jesus Christ trying to get to by saying, who touched me? The disciples are so blinded by it, they think he's crazy because we have all these people and you really think we can watch? No, you're not seeing the big picture here. Jesus Christ is looking for one thing. You know, we talked in Sunday school about being saved unto works. And about how God expects us to do things. Well, the very first thing He expects us to do is to proclaim His name. He wanted to know that this woman that had enough faith in Him, was she going to be brave enough to stand up in front of all these people? And by the way, if you think about this for a minute, I'm sure there were some Pharisees and Sadducees there that were just watching that all they wanted to do, like Pastor Tommy talked about a couple Wednesdays ago, all they wanted to do was find something wrong with what he was doing. But the majority of the people there wanted to learn something. They were there for a reason. The majority of the people here this morning want to learn something. Hopefully everybody here wants to learn something. Some of you might be here just to see what I'm doing wrong. I don't know. Somebody might be taking notes, getting ready to call call Pastor Tommy. Oh, did you hear what he said? It's being recorded, by the way. I did. I cut out the part when I was talking about him earlier, but the rest of it's being recorded. But but uh, Jesus wanted to know if she was willing to stand up for him, and we're missing that as Christians today. You know. Romans 8, or I'm sorry, here we go. Didn't I talk about that Wednesday quote in the wrong verses? Romans 10.10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, you see, it's unique, it's exciting to watch, but when you really think about what's going on, it's almost sad. You watch a young Christian person, seven, eight, six years old, get saved and they are willing to go tell everybody and anybody that will listen why do we lose that where where do we lose that enthusiasm for telling people about Jesus Christ you know I was talking in Sunday school and I brought up the fact that all and again there's nothing wrong with being excited about going home to heaven absolutely nothing 
But isn't there a little part of us that's sad for the ones that aren't going to go? Isn't there a little part of us that's concerned that has the same, the same, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The burden that Jesus Christ had? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing anyway? Carrying on His work? Carrying on the burden He had? We have no problem when we're first saved, when we're six or seven years old, and, and we don't, we don't know any better. We haven't had anybody, uh, shoot us down yet, I guess I could say. But as we grow up and we start, we start running into, uh, people being conflicted with what we're saying, we start losing that excitement. And that's nothing new. This woman, if you, if, if you read carefully here, when Jesus Christ first asked, she didn't proclaim His name. You know, if I had a blood issue for 12 years, I don't know what this blood issue is. I have no idea. But if I had it for 12 years and I knew I was healed... I don't know if anybody could have stopped me from yelling out. But when Jesus first asked, it says all denied, including her. She didn't even have, she didn't even have, she had the faith to touch Him. She knew who He was, which is a picture of us. We know enough about Jesus Christ. We know that we need Him to to solve our, our blood issue, our issue of sin, but yet we don't want to proclaim His name. We don't want to be the one that stands up in the middle of a crowd like I said, all these people were here to see him. They probably would have been excited for her. But she wasn't even willing to stand up in this crowd of believers to say, it was me. I'm the one that just got saved. I heard a pastor say years ago, really good pastor too, said, you know, he said, I honestly believe that when somebody makes the decision sitting in a pew, that they need Jesus Christ, that they're saved. Because the Bible says, for with a heart man believeth unto righteousness. But it also says, with his mouth confession is made. We need to confess Jesus Christ. We need to proclaim His name. We need to get that, that excitement back in us. You know, when you have that excitement, you can't contain it. I talked about that a little bit in Sunday school. When I'm at work and I know somebody needs prayer, and I know, I know I'm not supposed to talk about religion at work, but I'm going to let that person know that I'm praying for them. I'm going to let that person know that I'm there for them. I've given a few people my personal phone number. I can't, I, I can't talk about religion. I can answer questions though. And if they know who to ask, they're going to ask. We need to proclaim His name. We need to do everything in our power to get Jesus' name out there. The time's running out. Any pastor, any preacher you listen to probably won't go a month or two without talking about the end times or at least mentioning it. Like I said Wednesday night, I listen to a lot of pastors talk. I listen to a lot of sermons lately from a lot of different people on the end times. I agree with them. They're close. And there's a lot of people out there that are on the wrong road. We need to proclaim His name. Confessing Jesus Christ with our mouth is extremely important to Him. He wants to know that we love Him enough to let people know what He did for us. You know, He asked this woman and, and she denied Him. And, kinda, and, and He asks again. He says, no, no, wait a minute. Somebody has touched me. I'm not letting this go. 
Why is he making such a big deal about it? Because it's important to him. It's important to Jesus Christ when somebody gets saved. It's important to Him that somebody has come home to Him. And He wants that person to proclaim His name. Now, I know someone touched me. I want to know who it is. I don't care if there's all these people out here. I don't care if it was just us. I want to know who it is. You know, I think sometimes... I know I do. I think sometimes parents ask those those um, trick questions. Who did this? Most of the time I already know. I just want to see if someone's going to be honest. That's exactly what Jesus Christ is doing here. He knew. He knew before it happened. He wanted to see who was going to proclaim His name. He teaches us that in John 21, 15-17. Uh, I'm not going to turn there because this is... I'm taking a little bit longer than, than I had planned anyway. But Peter, who had denied him three times, Jesus Christ teaches him. It's important to proclaim my name. You know, it's not a coincidence that in this scripture here, John 21, starting in chapter 15, Jesus Christ asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? He makes, he makes Peter, he forces him face to face to proclaim His name three times. The same amount of times that He denied Jesus Christ. You know, just like this lady with this crowd. She, she, whatever it was, she was too shy, she was too embarrassed, or whatever the case might be. Jesus held her to it. You're going to proclaim My name. I'm not letting this go. He's going to hold us to it. He wants us to proclaim His name. And usually, if we've denied Him, if I look back at Peter's story, if I've denied him, when it comes back around and I have to proclaim him, it's probably pretty embarrassing. You know, just like when just like when the parent asks that silly question, you already know the truth, you already know who broke mom's favorite vase. But you ask anyway, and they deny it, deny it, deny it. Well now when they face the truth, now they gotta tell you the truth, and they gotta tell you they broke it. Now they're confessing to two sins. Jesus Christ wants us to proclaim His name. He insists on it. He says, Someone touched me. I perceive that a virtue has gone out of me. And then finally, once He insists on it, the woman finally does what Jesus Christ expects all of us to do. The Bible says, She declared unto Him before all the people for what cause she had touched Him and how she was healed immediately. There's a real simple way to put that. This is exactly what Jesus wants us to do. Give your testimony. You know, in today's world, I, I, I don't know why it is, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, why is it we have a hard time giving people our testimony. I don't care what circumstance you've been in. I don't care what mistakes you've made. I think... I th- Plenty of examples. i got to be careful here. I'm going to get into to, uh, tonight's message. I can think of plenty of people in the Bible that made mistakes. I can think of plenty of people in this world that made mistakes. Starting with me. But why is it we're afraid to admit to that? Jesus Christ has already paid the price. 
He's already forgiven us. We've already asked for salvation. Absolutely nothing else can be done. Somebody's not going to walk up and say, well, you didn't deserve to be saved. I'm going to take that from you. Guess what? You can't. So why is it we're afraid to give our testimony? Well, you know, when I was growing up, I I did this and I know I shouldn't have. So what? All of us are saved from something. And even when we're saved, we all fall short of the glory of God. That comes out of His Word, not mine. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. It doesn't say, but Brother Schaefer, but anything. Other than Jesus Christ, all of us have. Why are we ashamed of that? We're human. That's what people need to hear. People need you to people need you to say, guess what? I'm not perfect either. You know, I've been out soul winning and, and, and with people who like to argue with people at their door, and that just I can't stand that. I see where where the Pharisees were trying to argue with Jesus and the Sadducees were trying to prove him wrong and they were watching him and they were doing all these things to prove him wrong and he just kept quoting God's word. He never got upset and started yelling back. Give him your testimony. Let him know. Guess what? I'm human too. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's me too. I've done it too. He saved me. He can save you. That's what people need to hear. Not this, well, we're better than you and the way we're doing it's right. You know, Pastor Tommy talking the other day about um, about the, the, the uh, different Baptist churches doing different things and how, how we look. Well, they don't do this this way. They don't. we got to get out of that. That's between them and God. What we do is between us and God. What Pastor Tommy does in this church is between him and God. We got no business worrying about what that church is doing and this church is doing or that person at work is doing. We need to be witnesses to them. Give our testimony. Oh, you mean you sinned? Oh, I can't believe that. Are you kidding me? That's the way we act towards people sometimes. Sometimes it shocks us because you just look at somebody like, never mind, I'm not going to point anybody out, but you look at somebody and be like, man, that person, just there's just no way they've ever done anything wrong. We've all met people like that. But everybody's done something wrong. And Jesus Christ, just like He, he wanted this woman here, that's what He expects of us to stand up and give our testimony. Tell people, this is what He's done for us. Why would somebody get saved if we're not going to do that? If you buy a new Hyundai and you hate that car, you're going to go around telling everybody that you just bought this new Hyundai and the gas mileage is half of what they said it was, and the tires feel like they're square when you're going down the road, and it don't feel like it's got shocks, and and all these things wrong with it, and are your friends going to go buy this Hyundai? I hope nobody here has a Hyundai. I'll tell you what, though I've had them all. I've had I've had Chevy, Ford, Gia. I don't. They all cost you money. My grandpa used to always. Never mind. You pretty much used to always tell me if you want money, stay away from owning a vehicle. It was a hundred thousand, hundred thousand mile warranty in ten years. But if you buy one you like, oh, you know what? This car would be awesome for Brother Lonnie. He's driving. 120 miles to work every day. He needs to know about this. This thing's getting 65 miles per gallon. By the way, if you find one like that, let me know. But if you like something, you're going to go tell somebody. And you tell them because you want them to have it. 
You don't you don't own a car for ten years and then go around bragging on it, and your friends are sitting there going, "Why didn't he tell me about this before?" I would have went and bought one. Well, why didn't he tell me what Jesus did before? I I would have went to church with him. He asked me to go to church with him. Anybody can go to church. He never told me that Jesus Christ did all this for him. If he would have told me that, I probably would have went. Maybe I would have asked Jesus Christ to do that for me. We got to give our testimony. We got to let people know what He's done for us. That's all He's asking here out of us. You know, we talked this morning about about um, about doing the work of of God, being saved unto works. It all starts with proclaiming His name. Jesus Christ didn't come down here talking about me, 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 me. John the Baptist didn't go around talking about me, 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 me. He was talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was talking about my Father. I come down here to do my Father's work. We need to be, we need to be talking about Jesus Christ. We need to be telling people what He's done for us. We've got to proclaim His name. John 15, 16, I, I said this to you, I said it before, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth that you should go and bring forth fruit. We can't bring forth fruit without proclaiming His name. It's just not possible. You're not going to convince somebody. You know, you can't tell somebody, go buy this car. Oh, did you happen to go to uh, J.C. Penney this weekend, that huge sale they had over there? It was over yesterday. Well, then why didn't you tell me about it yesterday? I can't go now. We need to bring forth fruit. You can't tell somebody about something when it's too late and expect anything to happen. If I tell you about that sale, you can't go do nothing with it now. You can't go save money now. By the way, that sale was fictitious. I don't want all you ladies getting mad at me that I didn't tell you about it earlier. We need to bring forth fruit. We've got to tell people about Jesus Christ. We've got to let them know what He did for us so He can do it for them. You can't do that by sitting in the crowd and not being willing to stand up and, and proclaim His name. He says, no, I know somebody touched me. Somebody here had the faith. Who is it? He knew who it was. Silly Peter. And you know what? A lot of times we get embarrassed about our testimonies. A lot of times we get embarrassed. We're worried about the world is going to think about talking about Jesus. We're worried about people not accepting the way we talk about it or how we talk about it or the fact that we're Christians. Guess what? Eventually, they're going to hear it all anyway. I know that because Isaiah 45.23 says, I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Romans 14.11, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Eventually, all them people that don't want to hear it, they're going to hear it and they're going to know that it's going to be too late. And just like I said in Sunday school, I was talking about uh, looking looking back, and and I did write those <clears throat> I did write those verses down here. Revelation seven seventeen and twenty one four says God will wipe the tears from their eyes. Twenty one four says and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. 
I can only think of one reason. We'll be there crying in a position where God wipes our tears away. I think we're going to see all the people that we could have affected, all the times that we could have stood up in the crowd and said, it was me, I'm the one that got saved, this is what Jesus Christ did for me, let Him heal you. And I think it's going to hurt. I'm I'm sure we're going to see loved ones. I'm sure we're going to see friends. I'm sure we're going to see times in our lives when there were people that we ran across that that we had the opportunity to stand up for Jesus Christ and we didn't. It says after that there shall be no more pain. Neither sorrow nor crying. That's the only thing I can imagine. The Bible doesn't say it so I'm not sure... But obviously, we're going to be sorrowful for a reason. And I can't imagine what else it would be. I'm not going to be sorrowful that I'm standing there face to face to God. I'm probably going to be sorrowful that I let Him down. I'm probably going to be sorry that I let all these people down, that I didn't stand up when the opportunity was given, and I didn't proclaim His name. Let's stand with every head bowed, every eyes closed.